This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Ready for a more successful and fulfilled life? It is time for Real Answers, a transformational hour with Dr. Kate Siner, live broadcasting to the 50 states and internationally. Dare to go deep. Change yourself. Change the world. Hi, this is Dr. Kate Siner, and this is Real Answers. And this week, we're going to be talking about co-creative leadership. So leadership is not just something that happens in the workplace, um, but also something that is important across our our all of our lives. And so we wind up being in leadership roles in um, our families and with our friends, in our communities, um, as well as um, at work. And particularly if we are, you know, running the show of some kind. So uh, what I think is possible with leadership is to have to facilitate the um, – the unique, like value contributions, um, the the skills, the assets, whatever we want to call them, to to really help those uh, come them to come to full fruition, to really be seen in their um, entirety, and so we have this potential with you know with our leadership to create so much more the, than what was there before we have the potential to create um integration and healing and um understanding and new possibilities and all from the way that we decide to interact and um lead when when that is our role so it's something that's so incredibly powerful throughout our lives and it's also something that is really challenging and you know even from my own experience um i've i've really looked at this from so many different perspectives and i've had quite a few occasions that have been challenging for me where um you know in in trying to do the right thing or into trying to get something done um you know i made a choice in my leadership that was you know less effective um and it, it's in those moments where of course we learn so much and um, one of the things that kind of gets driven home by the, those times for me is how important this is, how important it is that we understand um, our role um, when interacting with other people and how we understand um, that the way that we hold our power and the way that we create with other people um, has the potential for a really positive effect and unfortunately at times also for really negative effects and that many of us and I would be I'm tempted to say most of us um, do not come with these skills they're not skills that are just 
you know, we're born with. They're, they're things that we learn and we continue to learn and, and develop and finesse over the, over the course of our lives. And so I wanted to do this show today on um, co-creative leadership, really. How is it that instead of just stepping into a role where, you know, you're in charge, right? Um, you, what is it that we do that really as like we are leaders, we recognize the fact that each one of us is leaders. And so we come together in a way where we're able to create more. And it's different than an absence of leadership because I think sometimes when people start to, we have these kind of two extremes in our mind. One is kind of like a hierarchy where there's a person that's in charge and there are people that follow, right? Orders and followers. Um, and then we have, you know, this idea of like, let's get rid of this. Let's, let's just, you know, not deal with that, that hierarchy. Everybody's on the same level or everybody. And, and that has its own set of problems too. But what is the, the kind of the hybrid of these two ways of being that winds up really delivering the best of both? Which is where, you know, we take this kind of responsibility in, in our, for ourselves, for our lives, for whatever we're participating in. And we also facilitate and support that being true for other people as well. And there's beautiful examples of this, um, especially in the business world. There's some really nice examples of how people are using this, uh, way of, um, kind of, working together um, successfully and um, effectively and also um, deriving a quite, quite a profit from it. So um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of work being done in this area. And, um, and one of the main things that uh, co-creative leadership really focuses on is um, engaging others to kind of uh, Tackle the task at hand. So let's see, this could be anything like I was saying, this is all areas of your life, right? So in your family, it could be about making a group decision about, you know, where you're going to go that weekend and what you're going to do. Um, and if it is a team that you're on, it might be a decision about like where you're going to practice or, you know, how you're going to be committed to, to the practice. Um, in your, in your business or at work, it might be about being more efficient, right? So there's all, but basically instead of masterminding the solution, which is a lot of times what people in leadership, um, try to do is instead of coming up with the solution themselves, right? It's about how do you get other people involved in the process in a way that's like productive and in a way that leads to coming up with an answer that is um, exciting and engaging for everybody so that people are continually motivated to work on it. And I have a really great example of this. Um, I was a part of a group at one point in time. And in that group, very, very wonderful, well-meaning, uh, intelligent, capable people um, in, in this group, um, you know, we needed to make some joint decisions. And it was very clear right at the beginning that there were a few people who were comfortable with leadership. 
And in their comfort with leadership and with really good intentions, um, they stepped up and um, they started making decisions. And um, they were good decision makers and they had good ideas. But what happened was because of the way that they stepped up, because of the fact that they didn't engage the other people in the group, there was resistance to that. Other people felt controlled rather than um, engaged. And so they disengaged. They disconnected. And um, and then that created problems down the road. So even though these people had very good ideas and were excellent planners, they were unable to actually execute on their project, um, on our project, because of the way that they chose to take leadership. And this is the same thing that can be true in your family, right? So, you know, <clears throat> while you might not have your two-year-old make, you know, decisions about your finances, um, you know, having a conversation um, with, you know, members of your family, regardless of, you know, you know, who they are, how old they are, anything like that, having a conversation that uh, leaves all parties feeling like they've participated is uh, is a wonderful thing. You get so much more excitement out of that and you get so much more empowerment out of that. You know, um, if, for example, if a child feels like they participated in a group decision-making process, um, they're going to feel really good about themselves. Even if it's a four-year-old making a decision, you know, putting their two cents in, you know, in a way that is really effective, right? So it's like creating a structure or creating a system that allows every participant to put in in a way that's right for who they are, right? Not, you know, once again, back to that two-year-old in charge of the finances, not a smart move, but having everyone be engaged even like, well, you know, do you want to bring this pail or this pail to the beach? Um, you know, having everyone engaged really helps um, the overall good feelings and the success of the outcome. And also the um, sense of uh, personal power that each individual feels, which only just keeps – this is something that is generative. It keeps – growing. It keeps getting more positive. So, um, you know, what I was saying kind of in the beginning is like, there's just so, there's so much potential that that's, that's here, um, in, um, kind of developing these leadership skills, right? So, um, you know, it, it's really important to kind of differentiate between managing people and managing projects, Okay. Um, and once again, we don't want to just think of this. It's like a lot of times the leadership, it sticks in the business world. That's important. But it's like what happens when instead of trying to get people to do certain things, you manage what it is that you're going to do in a way that allows people to feel engaged and not only just to be engaged, but once they're, once someone's on board with something, they're going to be able to contribute more than you could ever imagine. So specifically when we're talking about other adults that we might be, you know, 
collaborating with in any way from a dinner party to, you know, a community event. It's that the people don't really need to be managed most of the time. Right? That, um, what, what they need is, um, you know, they need to have, I mean, they need to have a structure that kind of holds them and supports them. But if you try to kind of tell people how to do things, right, then you get a, um, it's almost disrespectful, right? Like um, if I came up to you and all of a sudden started telling you how, for example, to use a particular computer program, um, and, you know, you were actually, that was kind of one of your areas of knowledge or expertise that would come across as actually a little bit demeaning, um, cause I just didn't acknowledge who you were and, um, I didn't, um, kind of support what you have to offer, right? So chances are you'd have some kind of reaction to that, some kind of shutdown, and that would lead your contributions would start to be decrease. You know, you might be like, oh, I'm just going to do what I have to do or I'm not doing anything over what I'm asked. Right. Um, those are kind of some of the ways that people start to shut down or disengage. Right. Um, you know, and it's like kind of in looking at these different things, um, you know, at, at the workplace, if, if you need to manage someone that much, um, at a certain level, like we'll just take out people who are say very, very, um, at a sort of lower level positions. Um, but if you need to manage someone that much, chances are they might be more of a liability than they are an asset. Um, uh, and if you at home, if you need to, you know, kind of manage everyone all the time, then you might be missing opportunities to really, for example, you know, empower your children or to really be in partnership with your, you know, your partner. Because, you know, by that, that management and kind of like trying to control what it is that other people are doing, you're losing out on what the potential for that relationship is. And if you find that in like your friends or your, or your, um, colleagues or acquaintances that you feel that you need to manage other people, chances are you're taking too much responsibility. For, for the people who are around you or you're not around people who are actually your peers, right? So it's a really good sign for you to say, okay, if I'm really feeling like I need to manage and I've addressed sort of my personal issues that are related to that and I'm, and I'm seeing this happen, then what is this saying about the people that I'm around, right? So you want to know that like that kind of that management of people has a one component of personal issue. Right. Where you might have um, sort of a, a characterology that has you wanting to control um, and um, and you want to address that. And then the other component might be, OK, what is it that either isn't being allowed to happen here or how is this showing that maybe I, I don't have the right people involved in this particular, um, you know, project or aspect of my life? So when people are, you know, kind of on, you know, 
on the right level and um, when they are um, feeling like they can participate and bring their intelligence to um, a project, um, they are able to give so much more. And one of the things that really helps them do this is for them to know why they're doing something. And this is that clarity around the, the vision and understanding what their role can be in that. Right. And that is a kind of a really important differentiator because you, you, everyone's role doesn't have to be the same, right? It's not about, um, you know, people can have roles that are appropriate to their, you know, their knowledge base or their, you know, even in the case of a family that are age appropriate. Um, but, uh, you know, if people know kind of what the bigger vision is, Right. And they start to understand what their role is in all of that. Then they are able to um, kind of really know how they can contribute to the project at hand, which means that you are more likely to get really great results and you're more likely to get people who are actually going to contribute to um, the the vision in a way that is satisfying for everyone. Okay. So that is just a little bit about some of what we can get from looking at how to work with people in a different way. You know, how we can start to get so much more from the people that we're involved with by um, stopping this sense of, of, of needing to control, stopping this, you know, um, maintaining, you know, un- unhealthy or imbalanced relationships and really getting people involved in what it is like, you know, it's like, what's the vision for your relationship? What's the vision for your family? What's the vision for your team? What's going on? And are we all feeling connected to that? And then how can we all uniquely contribute to that? And you have something that's so much more dynamic um, than um, uh, it would otherwise be if you just tried to kind of bark out orders or lay out what people needed to do. Okay, so um, uh, when I come back, um, I am going to uh, welcome Jorge Rico, and um, we're going to be talking a little bit more about um, co-creative leadership and and some of the things that you can do to get people involved, understanding how to work with people a little bit more. Um, but for now, we're going to go to a quick commercial break, and um, I'll return in just a couple minutes. Are you craving positive change in your life, dreaming of work that is meaningful or relationships that are authentic and connected? Internationally recognized author and facilitator, Dr. Kate Siner, is a compassionate and fearless advocate for your personal development. And on August 8th, she kicks off her Life Work Community Program. 
This powerful 10-month program will help you get connected to your true self and create meaningful changes throughout your life. Visit www.katesigner.com forward slash work dash with dash me and choose Life Work Community from the list to find out more. We all want to be happier, more fulfilled, more successful. But the question is how? Dr. Kate Siner provides programs and mentoring that give you the real-life tools to get the results you wish to see. Her personally tailored services combine almost two decades of work with the grit and compassion that can only come from a life fully and passionately lived. Get the support you need to continue on your path of positive change. To learn more, visit www.katesiner.com. Craving positive change in an area of your life? Dreaming of work that is meaningful or relationships that are authentic and connected? Internationally recognized author and facilitator, Dr. Kate Siner, is a compassionate and fearless advocate for positive change. Through personally tailored programs and masterful mentoring, Dr. Kate's genius lies in helping you get connected to your true self so you can make a difference in the world starting with you. Visit www.katesigner.com. Hi, uh, this is Dr. Kate Siner. This is Real Answers, and we have been talking about co-creative leadership. And now I have with me Jorge Rico, who is um, has about 20 years of experience in HR and um, specifically in teaching leadership skills to um, uh, high-level um, business people. And um, a lot of the skills that are, are used in the workplace, um, well, not only are they incredibly important to most of us who work with others, but um, they also can be applied across other areas of our life to really understand how we can understand and work with people better. Um, so uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. So one of, the, one of the things that, um, I, and, I, and I know I've had you on here before, but one of the things that I always like people to know is a little bit about um, how you came to do the work that you do um, so that they can have kind of a, a perspective on, you know, what has brought you to have the kind of thoughts that you have. Wow. Okay. Well, I, you know, early on as a young teenager, I uh, was intent on becoming a uh, civil rights, human rights uh, attorney and went to college and realized, okay, that maybe I don't want to go to law school after various iterations of that. So I, I chose initially a career in human service because uh, I think I always had that that desire to serve uh, my community in some capacity. And it was a wonderful experience. Um, and I decided I wanted to go back to school and wasn't sure, you know, where I was going to take my, my career. And uh, the more I, I spoke with family, friends, colleagues, it, it just seemed to point me in the direction of human resources uh, because it, it seemed to make sense that, that within any organization, there's a need to help, uh, identify 
manage, maximize the human potential in organizations. That's what makes organizations tick, right? The people in them. And I thought, what better way to um, contribute to my community? And I, it gives me a degree of flexibility. I could do it in not-for-profit or the profit world in, independently. And I did that. And um, so very deliberately, I went and got my master's degree focusing on human resource management, organizational development, with a bit of a um, focus on uh, workplace diversity. Um, so what? that's how I got it. What would you say is one of the takeaways from your from your training and and from your work? What would you say is one of the things that you learned about kind of leadership and kind of a more co-creative leadership style that became really important in your personal life? Uh I think, you know, the um statement that uh, I try to live by both professionally and personally that was derived from my training in leadership development was self-awareness is the cornerstone to effectiveness. Mm-hmm. So, so it's always really stopping, pulling back, and, and doing an assessment of yourself in each situation and scenario, particularly when you're forced to make some challenging decisions in your life. So understanding what your biases are, what your, you know, insecurities are, what your limitations are skill-wise and other uh, competencies is always important to do. And in leadership, that's critical. It makes or breaks you as an effective leader. And what's a good way for someone to kind of do that self-assessment? Well, I mean, I think there's been a proliferation of self-assessments and help you know, self-help tools out there. Um, the best way to do it is to have somebody who um, uses a particular model that's vetted out with studies um, to, help, you know, do assessment but help you interpret it because sometimes you can um, maybe hyper-focus on elements of it. And the key to any assessment, self-assessment or assessment, is a holistic view of it. You know, looking at your strengths, looking at your blind spots, and and then developing some strategies to address your blind spots and continue to reinforce your strengths. Um, right. So really being able to kind of like when, when you are, are either wanting to, you know, up-level your leadership skills or whether you're seeing that there's a problem that you want to change, then one of the ways to kind of approach that is to say, okay, the first thing that I need to do, I need to take a look at myself. And, you know, one of the ways to take a look at myself is to approach it strategically and, um, you know, kind of assess myself over a broad area, like over the multiple areas involved so I can get a sense of what I'm bringing to the table before I start with, you know, how I might, you know, apply leadership skills or how I might then, um, you know, adjust in the way that I'm working with someone. Absolutely. And there's great tools out there, DISC, Myers-Briggs, some of the more, you know, commonly used tools uh, for self-assessment using the workplace. Um, but those tools can apply to your personal life as well. They're incredibly powerful to kind of a, um, frame your strengths and, and your potential um, weaknesses. Um, right. So t- taking stock is certainly the first step. Um, and then, again, developing strategies on how you can do to compensate for the areas that you, you uh, struggle in. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And I mean, so one thing that I, I mean, from personal development work, right, is that, you know, we don't know what we don't know. There are these, these blind spots that kind of make it, um, challenging to, have the life that we want, interact with people the way that we want, um, and they can be very difficult to see. But what are maybe some of the common ones that you see in people, things that um, maybe someone could start to look for in themselves that might um, challenge them when it comes to um, working collaboratively with others? Yeah, I think... Um, really being open to other people's perspectives and when you're, we all are tasked with working within team environments, whether on a project or ongoing basis in the workplace. And oftentimes people bring their perspective from their functional area. So if you get a person from, let's say, the accounting department and the human research department, they're required to come up with some strategies to improve employee efficiency. They're oftentimes not hearing each other. Uh, they're bringing their own perspective. They're, they're not having dialogue. They're just having an exchange of statements. Right. So I think the key for each individual to walk into those um, interactions is always say, okay, I'm going in with an open mind. I want to hear what Bob has to say. I want to hear what Betty has to say. Um, and truly listen to what their challenges are. Um, simple questions like, you know, what keeps you up at night about this project? And allowing people to share their fears and sharing your own. Mm-hmm. I, I think oftentimes making yourself vulnerable in an environment like that can help break the ice and people are like, oh, you too? You're afraid of that? I am too, you know? Or I'm stressed about that. And, and bringing it down to that human base level, um, oftentimes is a good, a good way to break through some of those barriers that we all bring into our interactions, particularly in the workplace. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, as you were speaking, one of the things that I was thinking about was that, um, you know, yeah, we, you know, we do need to be reminded to listen um, in the workplace and, um, but really across every area of our lives. Because a lot of times when, uh, you know, a couple is having a problem, they're doing the same thing. They're both saying things to each other, but, you know, there isn't really the listening or the receiving going on. Um, and so the communication doesn't really happen. Um, and you can see that in other, you know, institutions and, um, you know, in community uh, discussions, all of that, where um, without that component of being really willing to take in the other person and then also, you know, relate, bring that vulnerability, bring that, you know, kind of truth, your own personal truth forward, um, it, it is very hard to work together with people collaboratively. Correct. And so, I, you know, there's well-meaning people that probably go into their interactions or projects with that mindset. But as you said, you don't know what you don't know. So I think the key is collaborating with somebody either if you're in an organization, seek out your HR um, colleagues. If they can't point you in the right directions, you know, um, there's Internet resources that can help you do at least some initial self-assessments. Um, mm-hmm. And then... And then develop strategies and how you can overcome some of the challenges between yourself and colleagues by all of you doing that, going through that process and sharing results, so to speak. Um, but the ideal is to have, you know, somebody who's well-trained in, in those assessments to guide the process. Um, 
and there's good resources out there, uh, less expensive or more expensive. But um, I think that key is really self-assessment and then developing better communication strategies to overcome um, some of the inevitable challenges when two different mindsets are entering the same problem. Yeah, so you mentioned DISC before, and, um, you know, what, can you just talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's a really great system for kind of understanding what some of the components are that make it difficult for us to, you know, understand each other. Yeah, uh, DISC is a great tool simply because um, it looks at behaviors, uh, what we see um, day in, day out with our colleagues and, for that matter, in family environments. Um, some And there's four broad categories that, you know, you get assessed on and there's a, a myriad of profiles that your kind of assessment, self-assessment results will give you. But um, the, the first is referred to as dominant. Uh, so a high D is somebody who tends to be very, quick decision maker, um, you know, the, the, the kind of extreme side of it is impatient, um, just action-oriented, um, and oftentimes states uh, their opinions in a very uh, assertive way. Um, then the person with high in, in, intuitive kind of the high eye, as they say, uh, high intuitive skills, they tend to be very um, – Social, they derive pleasure from interacting and chatting with people and creating kind of harmony between them and, and their peers. Um, and then you have people who are steady, who are all about, you know, maintaining harmony, but oftentimes compromising their own uh, needs or desires and kind of looking to please other folks. Um, they're referred to as the steady people. Uh, they like everything to be steady and they don't like conflict. Um, and then you get into folks who um, are into consistency, the, the high C folks. The, they're very orderly. Some The extreme of it would be somebody who's a little obsessive compulsive about how things, they're very rigid. They like rules. They like very firm goal settings. They know, they want to know what they're doing day in, day out. Um, you know, so they're, they're very structured in that way. All of those in varying degrees are very important in, in every team environment, every family environment. You need components of it. And as individuals, we, we may have components of that within us in, in higher or lower degrees. So understanding that model and where you fit in that spectrum allows you to then understand why you may be having a disconnect with somebody who views the world or, you know, exhibits completely different behavior sets or, or approaches their work in a completely different way. Um, so developing that common language through DISC uh, provides enlightenment for folks, not just about themselves, but also about their, their colleagues that they're being asked to work with every day. Um, um, yeah, so give me an example of what, like what a, a conflict might be. So like how might one of those, you know, character types miscommunicate with another character type um, just by being who they are? Okay. Um, I've seen it happen a myriad of times personally as well as um, observing and coaching other leaders within an organization. So you take somebody who, who's very high on the D spectrum. Uh, again, very quick, uh, very opinionated, assertive, quick to decisions, 
tend to be a little impatient, when, particularly when the pressure is on. So when you're in difficult scenarios, you know, your tendencies spike uh, and some of the negative aspects of your tendencies spike um, to the more ineffective area. Um, so um, then you get a person who's in the steady category and they need time to process. They're on the other side of the spectrum. They need to take information in, gather it, ponder it before they make any decisions. You get those people in, in a meeting setting and they're brainstorming through a, a situation. The person who tends to be steady is going to be very agreeable, but maybe in a lot of angst throughout that process, but overtly is communicating, yep, I'm in agreement. Yep, 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 yep. Everything's good. And the other person's seeing that and saying, okay, why isn't this person contributing, maybe getting frustrated and just kind of commandeering the process uh, and unwittingly loses an opportunity to get some really valuable input feedback from that person, the other person. Um, so that's a breakdown. The other approach is if po- both people understand their, their, their tendencies, the high D would go in asking a lot of questions, asking the other person if they need some time to process, how much time they need to process, and kind of negotiating uh, a process before just going in and asking for answers and a plan when they complete their meeting. Um, but that's where the awareness comes in, and, and understanding that before you walk into those interactions is critical. Right. Absolutely. So once again, I mean, there's the inventory of ourselves that is super important to bring to the table. But then there's also the using those kind of inventories to help facilitate the the process or the communication, really understanding who you're relating to um, so that you can make it the, a, a positive experience for ever, everyone, which is a really powerful skill to be able to have in any kind of group environment. Um, so this is great. We're actually out of time for today. So I want to really thank you for coming in and sharing your insights. Um, and uh, um, thank you. And if people want to get in touch with you or find out more about you, how might they do that? Uh, you could certainly seek me out on LinkedIn, uh, Jorge A. Rico. Uh, I have a profile there and all my contact information is listed there. Uh, for future consultations, uh, I do um, leadership and employee engagement workshops. Great. So. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kate. Are you craving positive change in your life, dreaming of work that is meaningful or relationships that are authentic and connected? Internationally recognized author and facilitator, Dr. Kate Siner, is a compassionate and fearless advocate for your personal development. And on August 8th, she kicks off her Life Work Community Program. This powerful 10-month program will help you get connected to your true self and create meaningful changes throughout your life. Visit www.katesigner.com forward slash work dash with dash me and choose Life Work Community from the list to find out more. 
all want to be happier, more fulfilled, more successful. But the question is how? Dr. Kate Siner provides programs and mentoring that give you the real-life tools to get the results you wish to see. Her personally tailored services combine almost two decades of work with the grit and compassion that can only come from a life fully and passionately lived. Get the support you need to continue on your path of positive change. To learn more, visit www.katesiner.com. This is Dr. Kate Siner. This is Real Answers. And we've been talking about co-creative leadership. So really, how do you get people engaged in all areas of your life? And uh, just before the break, we were talking to Jorge Rico and specifically looking at, well, what are some of the things that we need to do in order to be able to be better um, leaders and to work better with other people? And um you know, a couple of the things that we were talking about is really, you know, looking at yourself and um, being more aware about kind of who you are. And then also, um, you know, working on your, your communication. And so I want to talk about these um, in a, in slightly different ways. So we were talking about outward assessments of who you are and outward assessments are you know, incredibly valuable tool for getting at, you know, okay, wait a second here. We, you know, what are the limitations I'm bringing to the table? What are the strengths that I'm li- li- bringing to the table? How are other people perceiving me that I need to be aware of in order to be able to, you know, relate more effectively? And there is another piece of this that I want to talk about, which is, you know, learning the skills and developing the awareness to be able to know when you are in integrity, right? So this is the leadership skill of like kind of like the your you know your moral compass, your your ability to know when you are, um, you know, living and acting in a way that has integrity, um, and when you're not, and then making adjustments or you know apologies as. Um, is important. So when when leaders take either too much or too little responsibility, they're kind of out of integrity, um, and there are a lot of problems that happen with that. Right. So um, you know, taking too much responsibility um, or not enough in uh, responsibility is actually disempowering to everybody who is around you. Um, when you take too much responsibility, it might mean that other people don't step up or they're able to sort of indulge sort of the more limited parts of themselves. Um, or when you are taking, um, wait, that was too much responsibility, too little responsibility, um, that can lead to people feeling resentful, placing blame, um, or in uh, creating systems, um, or, um, plans that are imbalanced. So we really want to um, do the outward assessment and understand, kind of develop our awareness of how people are seeing us, interacting with us, um, all of that kind of stuff. And then also look at, okay, how do I develop the skills to really know when I'm acting in a way that is like good and right for me? Um, and, and by me, I don't mean that in a selfish way. I mean, good and right for me 
and in that benevolent way, in that way that you're in service um, to the the greater good. So that is a, um, you know, that is a really um, kind of important um, balance to, I wouldn't even say balance, you just basically have, um, um, you basically have two different um, things that you want to focus on. Um, you want to take the external measures and the internal assessment as well. Um, so uh, I guess I have a caller, um, Darren from Alberta, um, and um, we'll get him on the line and see um, see what we can do today. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Um, this is just ironic that I just... <laughs> Spirit had me log on to Connect Talk Radio because I'm just going through some stuff right now. Um, just to tell you a little bit about me, I'm the youngest of four siblings, mm-hmm. and our both our parents have passed on. And um, um, I've got a 22 year. I've been sober for 22 years, and thanks to Alcoholics Anonymous and um, I still go to meetings, so I got a very powerful twelve step program to work and um I'm very proactive in my in meditation and uh, clearing myself and um but what's happening is I've got a sister my oldest sister um the oldest sibling um I'm pretty sure like I've studied psychology for many years and the brain and stuff and um there's this, this we've always butted heads, um, and uh, she, I'm pretty sure she's a, a sociopath. Mm-hmm. Uh, like she's tried to spite me all the time and manipulate me and lie. And like she's a pathological liar, and that, um, so that's the worst of it. Then my other sister. She is a closet alcoholic, and uh, they kind of feed off each other and, um, you know, like uh, stick up for each other whenever I try and complain about one to the other type thing, you know, and I'm never getting heard, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've been fighting it for so long that I've just warm myself out and I've prayed on it and uh, what to do um, I decided that um, this is one of my my answers was to, to stop contact with them altogether mm-hmm. um, so and, just to, from a, a, a question about this like do you need to do anything with them no and that's okay. what I was getting to um, I, I figured out that this is all within me mm-hmm. and, um, I just have to develop thicker skin and I have to train her, my oldest sister, um, that when she starts to belittle me or whatever on the phone, when we're having a conversation, um, or spite me that she's going to get hung up on. Right, right. 
So, okay, so I, I hear that there. You want to draw a boundary, right? Um, right. There. So, you know, specifically when you call in, you know, it's like it was you mean like you had a question about different personality types. So I want to get clear that I know your question. What, what, like, what is it that you'd like to clarify? I'm just wondering what to do in this type of situation. Right. Um, because I have my own mental disorders, like I have general, generalized anxiety disorder. Right. Okay. So, I, so let's just take a take a look at this, because um, you know, and one of the things is that um, you know, it's so it's different. I mean, we were looking at you know, um, kind of this co-creative leadership. So the first thing I would say is when you're having a conflict with someone, you want to understand if there's something that you're trying to do with that person, right? You're trying to create family unity. You're trying to, you know, plan a family reunion. You're trying to have a nice conversation, right? So what is it that is, you know, is the goal of this? Now, in your particular situation um, with the, you know, some of the problems that are there, um, including if, you know, your sister is in fact a sociopath, um, when, when that kind of stuff happens, then, um, you, you really want to, um, uh, decide whether there should be any common projects. That's kind of like what I was saying before, where if you have to over, care for someone or you have to manage them too much, maybe they're not like a good person to have in that role. Right. Right. Um, so, so that's kind of, that would be the first piece. And I heard that in what you said that you think about that for whether, whether or not you should be doing it at all. Okay. So the second piece is, it's in very truthfully, right? We do have to deal with very difficult people in across our lives. And, right. um, you know, sometimes it, it isn't, um, just as easy as, um, you know, uh, whatever, making a, an adjustment in our communication. So, uh, you know, in this case, I think really understanding the person that you're dealing with. So if there is a pathology that's there, I would say, how can you become as educated as possible about that right. so that you can decide whether it's worth being there at all, like bringing yourself to that situation at all, right? So it educates you about really what's going on so that you don't get caught in confusion. That's where when we're able to kind of understand other people, even if they have severe problems, when we're able to understand them better, then we don't start to get caught up in in the problems ourselves. And we're right. we're able to stay clear and make better decisions. Yeah. So okay. I was just gonna say, but with my disease, like my uh generalized anxiety disorder, depression and O C D, um Sometimes it's hard for me, like I'm a very trusting person, and I always give her the benefit of the doubt that things are going to be different this time, and then she slams me with something, and then it takes me two weeks to get over it. So in that right there, so that's a self-awareness for yourself, which is why am I the kind of person that trusts even after I've been given substantial information? That tells me a person is not trustworthy. For years, it's been going on, you know. Right, because that becomes your issue. Because once someone's shown their behavior over and over and over again, um, when when we engage with that, we're kind of, um, you know, we've we've got something going on, you know. Um, So. 
um, what I would say is, okay, what do I need to learn about myself is so that I can put those boundaries in place so that when someone hurts me repeatedly, I know that it's okay for me to um, protect and take care of myself. Right. Um, and, and that, you know, um, would be the place that I would have you look, um, kind of moving forward. But I do need to go for now because we've just got a couple more minutes left in the show and I'm going to wrap okay. things up. I want to thank you so much for calling in. Thank you for your tips. All right. So for some reason, um, uh, that just clicked me to a break. But um, so there's a couple more minutes left in the show, and I want to just kind of add on to that. So that was, um, you know, a personal breakdown, right, of an, um, you know, assessment. That's what I meant by breakdown. Assessment of, um, you know, uh, a situation like in, you know, how do we deal with these difficult things that come our way? And you can see there that there was that component, right, even like this is in every aspect of our life, right? There was that component of needing Needing to understand the other person because that actually helps you then learn how to interact with them and also the component of, you know, how am I contributing to this problem? And in that particular case, it was the contribution came from remaining, continuing to engage in the same way, maybe even at all, continuing to engage in the same way and and not changing the personal behavior in order to bring about a different outcome, right? Now, in some situations, you'd want to go into establishing better communication between you and the other person. When you're dealing with someone who is really compromised um, or that is having sort of substantial problems themselves, communication isn't always possible. Communication kind of requires that there is, um, you know, the ability of both parties to communicate to some degree. Um, so that kind of creates a, um, a little bit of a challenge sometimes. In the workplace, right, we can deal with problematic people in the workplace and in our personal life. And that kind of gets into, and I would encourage you, Darren, and, and also other people to look at some of the previous shows that I've done about boundaries. Um, that might be really helpful to kind of look at how to establish boundaries in a way that are helpful. Okay. So, um, with just a couple minutes more, um, uh, I just want to tell you a little bit about, um, like how, you know, one of the things to think about when you're interacting with other people is, of course, how to make it the best possible situation for everybody, right? So always think about how you can make it the best possible situation for everybody. And that goes so far in um, creating that kind of collaborative leadership style. So it's been really great having you here today on the show. I want to remind you to check out my website and um, specifically my LifeWork community program, um, which that's uh, katesiner.com. And then you can go to work with me and then LifeWork community. Um, and that is a really wonderful program to help you learn these skills. Um, so uh, uh, thank you so much for joining me here today, and um, I'll be talking to you again next week on Real Answers. You've been listening to Real Answers with your host, Dr. Kate Siner. Her purpose is to inspire you to create positive change inside and out. 
Visit Dr. Kate on her website at www.katesigner.com with Dr. Kate and see how she can help.